Hey there, my name is Nabil Sharif, and welcome to Filmatic, a podcast where I attempt to hide my insecurities and faults behind the mask of having meaningful opinions about cinema. Behind the mask of having meaningful opinions about cinema. I am so, so lonely. On this show, we will be discussing Spider-Man Far From Home, a film directed by John Watts and distributed by Marvel Studios and Disney. But first, some movie news. If you'd like to skip this and hit the Spider-Man review, please check the time code in the description. Quick box office update to catch up on, as Joker has officially become the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. It has also recently crossed a billion at the box office worldwide, making it the most profitable comic book movie of all time, with its low budget of 65 million. This fares well for original and different movies in my book, and a good sign for evolution of the genre. However, we'll discuss my thoughts on that soon. It's time to cut right to the chase, as I have a lot I'd like to say not only about this movie, but also the state of, and my gripes with today's superhero movies in the age of Marvel and Disney. Buckle up. Far From Home was released July 6, 2019, just a mere two months after mega blockbuster Avengers Endgame. It's important to make this observation because one of Far From Home's only seeming purposes is to operate as an undistinctful piece of connective rubber that tries to make some sense of the events of Endgame in part. So what comes out as a result is something that feels less like a Spider-Man story and more like MCU cleanup hour, featuring a very loose interpretation of Spider-Man. In fact, a lackluster representation of the character that the powers that be are tickling themselves over being an Iron Man replacement. And that's where I'm placing my argument around this movie, that not only is it a mediocre at best standalone film, but also a failure of a Spider-Man movie and disservice to the character. Fighting words, I know. Let me explain further as I will give a little credit where due to a few funny things in the writing that actually landed and worked. Firstly, let's discuss the pacing and themes of this film. These aspects are truly split and makes the movie feel inconsistent and like two different movies. On one hand, the first half of the movie, we have the light romp of a teenage comedy flick, and to its extent, it works just fine as that and has some jokes that land, but again, the aura of responsibility and superheroism is lacking thereof. Simply put, besides the superhero overlay, the use of the name Spider-Man, the movie's depth of characterization and imaginative amplitude of social relations, as well as placing of American characters in European settings, could have been literally ripped out of any Disney Channel show or movie, current or past. We are constantly reminded throughout this movie that this is a post-endgame world, yet ideas around that are never truly explored. No one remotely close to Peter had to deal with the grief of perhaps losing him. Every key player from Homecoming was conveniently snapped and suffered nothing. This movie could have been the perfect opportunity to introduce and flesh out classic Spider-Man characters, but instead they are used for quick chuckles and gags, with little to no characterization. The cinematography is bland. What has become the standard of these movies now? I thought I was getting a little sick halfway through the movie as I was watching the same thing over and over. Shot, reverse shot, shot, reverse shot. The film has no overt visual style or flair. Seemingly every action piece is done in post-production almost entirely in CGI. This is something that has not just been a problem in this movie, but has become the norm in most of these movies since around Civil War. A big problem with the film is the insistence of shoving down the same recycled plot of being the next Iron Man from Homecoming down the throats of the audience. This isn't a story where Parker tries to have a good time despite the specter of loss. It's a story where loss is incidental, informing plot mechanics and technology, while the dramatic tension stems from Parker avoiding heroism because he wants to go on vacation. What's more, the film's refusal to meaningly confront Peter's feelings on Stark has thematic ripple effects for the rest of the MCU. Spider-Man Far From Home is an attempted inverse of Spider-Man Homecoming, a film in which Peter is desperate to be an Avenger, but a film where he chooses to reject his eventual promotion, albeit through no real dramatized change. However, the key difference between the two films is how they frame the presence of Tony Stark. Peter's father figure cannot not, of course, appear physically in Far From Home, but the main advantage enjoyed by its predecessor was Peter's heroism existing in the shadow of not only Stark's iconography, but in the shadow of his
America's mistakes. Homecoming fell distinctly in step with the films preceding it. Dark revoked Peter's suit because he didn't want a teenager walking in his footsteps, retreading the same ground and causing the same collateral damage. An idea that feels all but discarded here. In Far From Home, the ghost of Tony Stark is a more idyllic presence. His friend Happy Hogan mentions that Stark was a mess, but the film only treats the deceased Avenger like a painting on the wall, a cartoon superhero off in the distance as the rest of the world saw him, despite the dramatic focus being characters who were closest to him and knew his faults intimately. Take for instance the scene in which Peter's left Stark's Edith tech, spectacles that allowed the high schooler unlimited access for personal data and unchecked control over lethal drones. This subplot, despite all its uncomfortable real-world parallels, is mined for comedic effect. Peter almost kills his own class, and gels poorly with the last entire decade of Marvel's narrative. Stark, who began his journey in Iron Man as a private weaponeer, eventually grew to see the need for oversight. You can see this in his mistakes leading up to Avengers Age of Ultron, which led to this turn in Captain America Civil War. Yet the series walks back its own long-term throughline, as Far From Home refuses to meaningfully confront this contradiction. The problem posed by Peter's inheritance isn't just whether he thinks he's worthy of Stark's legacy, which the film deals with adequately, but whether Tony's legacy is one worth accepting without question. A decade of Marvel films dealt with militaristic responsibility, and a decade more dealt with Parker in his various iterations, wrestling with those same questions of power and microosm. Spider-Man Far From Home, however, untethers itself from both characters' cinematic legacies. Instead, it pivots the series to a bizarrely uncritical take on the subject. The film never raises the question of whether this sort of power can be wielded responsibly. Granted, the MCU has always been hesitant in criticisms of overreach, so this direction isn't unprecedented. The Winter Soldier spoke of dismantling harmful government structures, but it framed their origins as fictitious outside actors, rather than anything resembling real-world politics. Captain Marvel tried to have an anti-imperialistic message, though it framed American military imperialism as de facto good. Both films were funded in part by the US military. Far From Home departs this even further, skewing the responsibility conversation entirely. Where Peter might have wrestled with the balancing the power and responsibility handed down to him by Tony, he instead wrestles with whether or not he can balance heroism with his romantic pursuits, a story that exists regardless of his fallen mentor. It's the kind of intimate personal tale a Spider-Man movie ought to tell, but the MCU tries to have its cake and eat it too, foisting grand shared universe ideas upon a small-scale narrative, but ideas that override Peter's European getaway and make his perspective seem woefully narrow. Peter places power in the wrong hands when he gives Edith to Mysterio, but neither he nor the film stop to ask which hands are the right ones, one of the series' continued narrative fallings. Within mere weeks of Stark's death, his legacy is viewed by the world through rose-tinted glasses. Peter, in his grief, speaks only of how he misses the man, and how Tony was a hero in the way Peter himself could never be. And while Happy's brief pep talk convinces Peter otherwise, Tony being unable to live up to the ideals of Iron Man as a potent idea, it's mere lip service to get the plot moving again. It's neither wit nor will, but a private jet and gift of expensive nanotech that propels Peter towards the climax. Despite a group of villains who worked closely with Tony and felt wronged by his success, their unfavorable view of the tech mogul never once clashes with Peter's idyllic outlook. The film even inadvertently repeats a central blind spot of its predecessor. Homecoming used a Stark-hating Vulture as Peter's antagonist, though the Vulture's musings about Stark as a selfish billionaire fail to make the similarly working-class Peter second-guess his allegiances. Stark's ghost looms large in the form of not only those he cast aside and stole credit from, but in the very real, very immediate harm his tech can still cause. Yet in the wake of his death, Tony's very human complexity which once drove the series is all but tossed aside. Once the killer drones are stolen, the confrontations between Mysterio and Spider-Man neither call into question their clashing perspectives on Stark, Peter's never even made aware of Mysterio's grudge, nor do they explore the tensions between Stark as the public knew him and Stark as he was known to those he spurned. This desperate, this despite Mysterio's constant allusions to a post-truth world whose narratives he hoped to control. The Edith drones are eventually destroyed, but only because they're a bone in Mysterio's hands rather than a bone in concept. Instead of challenging Peter, the film chooses to coddle him by leaning into his mentor's iconography and his iconography alone. It's scenes of Parker using Stark text set to ACDC that are both a throwback to the original Iron Man and a clear wink to the audience, indicating the idea of Iron Man, a tech-savvy hero with access to unlimited 
resources will remain intact in the MCU, but in a manner that avoids internal confrontation and continues frowning over the status quo. Thus, the legacy of Spider-Man is tasked with embodying not only Tony Stark the man who made grave mistakes as he wrestled morality, but that of Iron Man the Cypher. Endgame, in which heroes travel back in time and confront their own histories, Far From Home seems far too content with closing the door on the past. After building a sprawling, interconnected narrative, Marvel's 23rd entry feels not like an epilogue to the main story, but a request for a clean slate, a plea for the audience to forget the failings of its films and characters, and to instead accept their iconography at a distance. There is no moment in which Parker, or the audience, is challenged by the idea that even grief may involve accepting unpleasant truths about people and symbols and how we remember them. For all its oversaturation, the Harry Potter series at least forced its teen hero to confront the flaws of his father figures. It did with these Spider-Man films and the Marvel series at large seems frustratingly resigned not to. It grew up. These are the central problems with the film's approach as a Marvel entry and a sole sequel to Endgame. But aside from that, my biggest and most personal issue with the movie is that it fully fails as a Spider-Man movie, and even further adds to Marvel Studios and Disney's failed interpretation of the character. Far From Home fails to look at Spider-Man and his problems and give them any weight. Once again, lasting consequences for the character are non-existent. Remember when Aunt May found out Peter was Spider-Man at the end of Homecoming? A strange choice so early in the character's arc, but still, there was potential. They could have explored the drama and emotion behind being a family member of this hero and how he puts his life in danger constantly, especially with the worry that perhaps what happened to Uncle Ben might happen to Peter and therefore to her again. But no, she's fully supportive right away at the start of this movie with no strings attached. Speaking of, the fact that Tony Stark is suddenly Peter Parker's Uncle Ben figure is absolutely horrible. Peter's entire moral compass and upbringing is supposed to be inspired and sculpted by Uncle Ben. It should be the reason he wants to do what he does. Ben died because of Peter's lack of responsibility, therefore Spider-Man was born. To clarify, I'm not saying we have to see Uncle Ben die on screen again. I'm just saying it's unrealistic for Peter Peter Parker to never mention the man who taught him to be a hero and raised him and was his father. The problem in and of itself isn't that Tony acts as the character's mentor, the problem is that the implication that Tony means more to Peter than Ben ever did. Peter Parker's entire relationship with MJ feels forced and rushed after the next movie, with no build up whatsoever, a complete dissatisfaction to the character of Mary Jane. The emotional depth and silly love triangle being perpetrated for half the movie feels like it has the depth of an episode of Hannah Montana. The villain, as I said before, just a product of Tony Stark with no connection to Peter. There is no connection whatsoever. That's a big thing I've also been saying. Everything about this movie is so by the book MCU flick that you could literally insert any character from the Avengers into this movie and with little to no adjustment have the same exact film. And not only is that lazy and sad, but a total disservice to the character once again. How can Peter afford to go on this trip? This could have been a great opportunity to introduce a classic Spider-Man relatable trope of money problems. And this begins to lead to the problem with this characterization. Spider-Man's entire character should be centered on his problems because it shows that he can be bigger than them. Inspire us as the reader or viewer to learn from that. This version of Peter has no problems, and the minor one he's temporarily has are instantly fixed, unreliable, and without consequences. We should be able to empathize with Peter, but we cannot. We cannot root for him as he is shown as a kid who has been handed everything, who does sometimes get knocked down, but rather pulled up by Tony Stark or Nick Fury or Happy or his friends. There is no great power and responsibility. This Peter has the name of Spider-Man, but feels nothing like him. He is a happy-go-lucky kid living in the shadow of a more interesting and charismatic hero. He was a fun side character in Civil War, and there only served as a device to tell the viewer about Tony Stark's legacy in the MCU. There is no lasting impact or emotional weight. Nothing is learned. I'll save it for another episode, but this is exactly why Spider-Man 2 works so well, and is, in my opinion, the greatest superhero movie of all time, as well as one of the greatest movies of all time. Sam Raimi is an absolute genius. But it's for those reasons I was really disappointed with how they're treating this character. I can't say I'm really vibing overall with how these movies are going so far, but I guess time will tell if they change. As always, please follow at Filmatic Podcast on Instagram. My name is Nabil Sharif. Thank you for listening, and this has been Filmatic.